Hi everyone, welcome to Notes of the North Talks, a series where we get to know our local Canadian composer talent. Today, I'm here with Dr. T. Patrick Carabray. Thank you so much, Pat, for taking the time to speak with me today. A oh, real pleasure, Brianna. First and foremost, I'd love to get to know your background a little better. So where in Canada do you call home? Well, let me begin this way. Um, Pat Carabray, Dishnikashun. Uh, Red River, Oshchenia, Maka, Vancouver, Niwakiniqua. Uh, so that said, I, my name is Pat Carberry, and I'm originally from Red River in Manitoba, Treaty 1 territory, but I'm now living in Vancouver, and I'm currently coming to you from Chmasquim territory uh, at the University of British Columbia. Beautiful. Is there any place else that you feel connected to and that may have shaped your work? Well, I think particularly the prairies. I, I mean, I, I grew up and worked in, in Manitoba for, for much of my career, and uh, my, my family's there, and in, in fact, my, I'm a member of the Manitoba Métis Federation, the Red River Métis, and uh, my family's been there since before it was part of Canada, long before it was part of Canada, so I, I feel pretty rooted in that territory, although the beauty of British Columbia and the lack of minus 40 is, is pretty <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. Now a little bit more on the musical route. Um, how did you first start composing? Oh wow, that's you know that's something that that I think uh, I I tell my my students that um, you know if if you can be a plumber, be a plumber. You know if <laughs> otherwise if you have to compose, all right, okay, you have to compose. And and for me, I, I you know it was something that really struck me when I was quite young that song was in my head and and music was something that I really was drawn to. Um, I was part of the or am part of the '60s scoop, so I was taken from my birth mother from my Métis family and adopted by a white family um, who were not particularly musical at all and and so they were a bit confused why their you know grade one child wanted piano lessons when nobody else in the neighborhood wanted piano lessons um, but it, it's worked out for me well um, you know I, I began to learn I, I mean I was just singing and writing down melodies and writing songs and taking piano lessons and writing down piano pieces I really didn't know what it was what it meant to be a composer until I was was quite a bit older. I mean, I saw my first living composer when I was probably about 16. Um, Sophie Carmen eckhart Gramate, who was one of the few composers in, in Manitoba at the time. And so it wasn't really until I got to university that I started to understand what that meant. Um, but I've been been pretty fortunate that it's it's been how I define myself as, as a human being, as a composer. Amazing. So if you could describe your musical style as a composer in three words, what would they be? Well, that, I mean, that, that's not really possible, but I'll, I'll do my best. So I, I would say uh, melodic, rhythmic, and changing, because I think my style is continuously changing. Um, I, you know, I use lots of different techniques, and it's evolved over my career, so it, it really depends on the time and place, but it, it all represents me and who I think I am at that time. Beautiful. Is there a, one of your works that you feel really represents your musical style? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think quite a few of them. I mean, they all represent different components of me, but I'll, I'll uh, say that uh, the 
piece on my last album, the title piece of my last album, A Hundred Thousand Lakes, is probably a good example of, of who I am. It was written as a commission for the Canada 150 celebrations, and I was asked to write something you know, that, that I thought was relevant. So I chose to write uh, a piece about Manitoba, about the geography. Um, when I was a, a, a young person, well, Manitoba's license plate said 100,000 lakes. And I think that's really only because the Minnesota license plates had said 10,000 lakes. And so we had to kind of one-up them or, or multiply them. Um, so, But those 100,000 lakes are really important to the identity of, of Manitoba and Manitobans. Um, they resulted from the end of the last ice age when these huge uh, outpourings of water from the glaciers kind of scraped off the top of the land and made room for these hundred thousand lakes and so i wanted to kind of draw attention not just to canada but canada in the context of the geography and the history of the land where there have been indigenous peoples on that land for thousands of years yeah i i think it's important for uh, us to have the context of canada within the broader history of our geography and our people there have been indigenous people living on that territory for thousands of years and and that that geography and that relationship to the land is something that uh, uh, modern people living in that territory as part of Canada should really put it in that broader context. Beautiful, and I did see um, your music greatly involves construction of identities. I'd love to see how deeply connected you are to your Métis roots and how this is woven through your pieces such as Métis songs, teachings of the water, and there are other pieces such as Inuit games. How have some of these compositions connected you closer to Canada and your cultural history? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and I, I guess it, it was just after 2000 that I started working more with other Indigenous artists. So one of the first pieces I, I entered into with in that context was Inuit Games, which was a piece for the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. And and I played, in, in my mind, a very traditional Métis role, which is kind of mediating between Indigenous culture and Western culture. So I wrote the orchestra part and I worked with two Inuit Katajak singers um, who then they, they improvised in the context of, of their tradition. So we, we agreed on how they would fit into the overall structure of the piece. And it was a really beautiful opportunity for uh, us to find common ground between our two musical traditions. Because I'm, even though I'm, I'm Métis, I, I'm well and truly colonized. I have a PhD in music you know and composition from city university of new york so it, you know i'm i'm i've gone down that rabbit hole pretty far and more in recent years i've been trying to connect to my uh, metis roots and to other uh, now since moving to vancouver some of the other in, indigenous um uh, traditions here in this territory so teachings of the water for example was a, a great project with um some artists and and uh, knowledge keepers from the squamish nation i was working with a, a choir the electra women's choir that wanted to do something around water protocols here and so i said okay fine i mean i'm i'm not from here so i d i don't 
have a direct link to those water protocols. So we need to make sure that we connect to the, the elders and the knowledge keepers, both for water and for language. Um, and it was a really great process. And, and so I felt very comfortable, again, playing that kind of mediator role where I constructed the piece in such a way that it could be done in any territory and that the choir has an invitation to connect to the indigenous caretakers of the land where they are. Um, Métis songs was a different story. That was an, a pure opportunity for me to work with some other Métis musicians and to uh, highlight the reclamation of, of our culture, uh, both by using a traditional song. I used the, a text by uh, Pierre Facon, uh, which was uh, about uh, the, the Battle of Frog Plain, which was one of the first times when the Métis people came together to defend their rights. And then it ends with a, a song by Gregory Schofield, an amazing uh, poet who now lives in Victoria, who was talking about the this, this reclamation of Métis identity through the Canadian census and how we're growing beyond how... Um, history kind of put its foot on us and kept us down. Awesome, can't wait to hear. So on top of composing from this part of your identity, you also have pieces like you touched on that are more on the Western European classical side, I guess, such as Sonata Number no. 1. Um, so the music scene in Canada, especially the Western traditional classical scene, I guess, is constantly evolving. Do you find it challenging to make music that appeals to these current audiences, both here in Canada, but also internationally? Yeah, I, I mean, I was really lucky, um, you know, that, as I said, I was trained in that Western classical tradition, and like the first piece of mine that got recognition was that my first violin sonata, which was uh, nominated for a Juno Award in like the late 1980s. Um, and, and it's called, subtitled The Penitent. So it was really me wanting to pay homage to that great tradition made some amazing things there but try and put it into the context of how i felt music was evolving um, and i i think concert audiences are are hungry for different ideas about music for different styles and uh we're, we're really at a good time when the doors are open to much more diversity and and i think that's one of the things that canada really embraces i know when i was younger i was often um people just thought I was an American composer because my training was so much in that style. Um, and I kept having to say, no, but I'm Canadian. They said, well, what's the difference? You know, and for me, that difference is really, we embrace diversity in a way that is unique to, to, to Canada. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, there are more strict kind of groupings in, in a, a larger country like America that's, you know, whereas there's such diversity here and there aren't as many uh, composers in the same style. So we've all learned to work together and learn from each other in ways that you might not in a larger country because we, we have different modes of communication. But I think that strengthens our ability to identify the way that we want to with the kind of music that, that we want to write. And we have really good concert series in all across the country where people can hear the music of, of their own composers. Beautifully said. As a final message, what is something that you would like to share with young Canadians? Oh, wow. That's, that's a big order. But I, yeah. I guess I would say that, that uh, my hope is that we move towards making even more space for diversity. There's still a lot of different ideas that have not 
found an easy way to be expressed in our culture and for people to share and access to hear the amazing beauty that comes from so many different ways of thinking and being and knowing the world. So I, I think that, you know, it's a time for young Canadians to stand up and say, yes, we want to support that and we want Canada to be the kind of um, all-embracing community where people can really realize who they are and express that. We just want to be as open as possible, right? <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely. And I, I certainly feel that from my students and from uh, younger composers that I work with. Beautiful. Thank you so much. No, no, no problem at all. Take care.